0: Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome to our episode now that we are completing chapter 14. Lou, how are you?
1: I'm very good. Completing chapter 14. Hard to believe. It's been such a great journey.
0: Yes, and I like chapter 14 of all the chapters. I can't say this is my favorite, but it's one of my favorites. Um, And we're up to what? One episode 154 now?
1: That's right. 154.
0: Amazing. Um, so thank you, friends, for joining us. We're going to be doing uh, verses 25, 26, and 27, the last three verses of chapter 14. So verse 25 says, if you remember, this goes back to uh, verse 21, where Arjuna says to Krishna, how does a self-realized person present himself? How do, what sort of internal things does he go through? when something happens on the outside? How does he appear on the outside to other people? And that's what this verse is. And how does he get there? So verse 25 says, Alike in honor and dishonor, alike to friend and foe, relinquishing all undertaking, he is said to have crossed over the gunas. So let's take each one of these. Alike to like in honor and dishonor, honor, dishonor is a aspect of the intellect. The intellect is, pretty, uh, the, the body is not concerned about honor and dishonor. Body is concerned about heat, cold, taste, music, smell, that kind of stuff. Right. The mind is concerned with emotions, um, friend, foe. Who's a friend? Somebody who caters to your liking. Who's a foe? Somebody who doesn't cater to your liking. So your emotions are friend and foe and honor dishonor is you know pride fame this is all come from the intellect so alike in honor and dishonor meaning the intellect alike to friend and foe which is the mind and he's already talked er- earlier about um the uh, bodies the physical aspects uh, earth stone gold joy sorrow heat Pleasure, etc. Undertake relinquishing all undertaking means I did it. He doesn't. It doesn't mean that the self-realized person doesn't do any undertaking. Misunderstanding. Relinquishing all undertaking means not taking the credit for doing this. Relinquishing that aspect, not undertaking. He does a lot. In fact, sattvic people, self-realized people do a lot of work. He is said to have crossed over the gunas. So this is answering Arjuna's question, what is the state beyond the gunas? This is what it's like. Mm. Um, Friend or foe refers to a human being experiencing this in the world on a gross level. It symbolizes the opposites in the external world, like wealth or poverty, heat, cold, health, disease, all contacted by the gross body. On a subtle level, honor, dishonor, a being experiences this on an internal level. Subtle body experiences many different emotions, feelings, thoughts, all from the mind and the intellect. Now, we are all dependent on external things, events, people, um, for our internal happiness, internal peace. So Mm -hmm. we talked at the previous episode about what is being self-sufficient. When you have enough knowledge of what's going on, you can learn to detach yourself from external events. So you're not dependent internally on external events. So you become self-sufficient. And to the degree that you're self-sufficient, to that level, you're totally blissful no matter what happens around you. Isn't that a fantastic thing to be, <laughs> the better you get at it, the better you are, because external things don't bother you as much anymore. People can say things to you. People can do things to you. It just goes in one year, out the other. You know, you're not worried. He said this to me. He insulted me. i got to get back at him. None of that. And um, you
1: don't have to be self-realized to realize the benefit of this. As you get better of th- at this, you find yourself in spaces during your day and during a time when you feel this really strongly and you're at peace. And then at times you give in to the gunas a little bit and you give in the concerns about these types of things and you feel less peaceful. You understand, you get those gains in peace. You understand even with the first couple steps.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely correct. And getting this knowledge is what takes you there. And you know, this is a problem we're going a little bit astray, but this is a problem with all religions, Hinduism included, all religions today. Because religions today don't talk about this knowledge. This is what these scriptures talked about. The scriptures didn't say go to a temple, go to a priest, give him coconuts, give him fruits, <laughs> give him money. He did, they didn't say that. That's what happens in temples in India. You go there with a dozen coconuts and money and gold and give it to the priest. The scriptures didn't say that. The scriptures, in fact, said only get this knowledge and get this knowledge and reflect on it. Think about it. Today's religion, Hinduism and all other religions, you go to a house of worship and it's basically a business deal. You know, you say whether it is that you give something like flowers or fruits or money, Or you don't give, but you just say, you know, if you do this, God, for me, let my daughter get married, let my son get a better job, let my landlord reduce my rent, whatever it is that you're asking for, and you say, in return, I will do X, Y, Z. That's a business transaction.
1: Right.
0: It doesn't work. And this knowledge will prevent you. And that's why religion is so much trouble today. Because people know...
1: Most religions make that God an external thing, too, whereas what we're talking about here is making, quote-unquote, God internal, understanding that we're part of it, and it is, part, and we're part of it, and it is part of us. That is true, 100%. In addition, I would add that
0: God is not responsible for any of this, that you cannot pray right. to God to say, change my karma. God doesn't do it. You know, there's many teachers who listen to this. Uh, they've written to me. The teachers are in a unique, if the passing mark is say 60%, you have to get 60% correct, and then you pass. If you get 59, you don't. Many times kids will go up to them or parents and say, she's at 59, can you just make it 60? <laughs> then it's up to the teachers, all right, I'll give you 60, but better next time, don't yep. study harder. God has none of that. That doesn't appear into it in the Hindu scriptures at all, where God doesn't make that decision. Whatever happens to you is as a result of what you've done before. Your karma is determined. Your fate, not God. You can't beg God to do anything to get your son a better job. It depends on his karma. For your daughter to get married depends on her karma, not God. So that's how, I forget how we got into this. But getting the knowledge is what this is all about. Get the knowledge, reflect on it, make it wisdom. And all of this will get so much better. You will not be dependent on external events for your internal happiness. You will be self-sufficient. When do you fluctuate up and down like that sailboat on the rough water as opposed to an oil tanker or luxury liner? It is when you are not dependent on the external. You're dependent only on yourself. To the extent that you get attuned to this knowledge, to that extent you lose your dependence on the world. To the extent that you get this knowledge, and to that extent you're not dependent on the world, You, through getting this knowledge, you're self-sufficient. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this book called um, uh, f- something about um, Himalayan masters. If you just type in Himalayan masters, you'll mm-hmm. know it. It's the life and uh, history autobiography of Lo- Swami Rama, R-A-M-A. Swami Rama writes in there that his guru, who is Baba, I, that, that would be a good uh, field uh, trip, Lou. It's oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So Swami Rama had this guru called Baba. And Baba, you know, one time Swami Rama asked him, he says, you know, what are we so attached to this world for? Why is it? What is Maya? What exactly does Maya mean? And as Baba told him, he says, I'll explain it to you one day. And they're walking down. And suddenly there's a dead tree uh, on the side. And Baba, even though he's a Swami and ate very little other than what people gave him, was extremely strong. And he, like a magnet, just gets drawn to that tree and puts his arms around it and grabs onto it very tightly. And he says, Rama, Rama, help me, help me, take me, get me off this tree. And Rama gets scared. He says, my Baba, who is such a powerful person and is so does so many miracles, if he's trapped by this tree and I go to save him, I get trapped. And there's nobody here for hundreds of miles in the Himalayas. What am I going to do? But the Baba says, come quick. He goes and he starts pulling him, pulling, pulling. him. Then he suddenly says to him, Baba, you're holding on to the tree. What do you mean pull on? Let go. And he says, you see, that's mm-hmm. what Maya is that's what Maya yep. is. That's what attachment is. He says, the world doesn't come and grab you, you're grabbing onto the world. And then you say, save me, save me. Right. So this knowledge helps you to recognize that it's not the world, not people's comments, not wealth, not poverty, not anything that is grabbing you, you're grabbing onto it. So just as you don't care, If you're winning or losing when you're playing with your grandchildren or your children, you don't care. You're playing it for the sake of playing it because that's your obligation and because your kid is having a good time playing with you. You really don't care if you win or lose. Similarly, as you get this knowledge, as you progress, as it says in verse 25, you tend to not care what happens because you say, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Your matter is, what your goal is, is to become one with uh, the Lord. Um, no, depend, not dependent on honor, dishonor, praise, censorship. What will people say? What will people do? It's a preferential relationship, not based on desire or whether, you know, friendship and uh, enemies. What is it? Um, friendship is you like somebody he's your friend because he tends to say good things to you he meets your needs so he's a friend if he suddenly stopped and started criticizing you and not meeting your needs he no longer be your friend he's your foe and what this verse says friendship or uh, foe it's all alike to the self-realized person so that's verse 25 verse 26 says and he who serves me he who serves me with a capital M, that's Krishna, uh, uh, Brahma, Brahman. He who serves me with unswerving yoga of devotion. Keyword here is unswerving hmm. yoga of devotion. He, having duly crossed these gunas, is fit to become Brahman. So what he's talking about here is the karma, The yo- sorry, the yoga. So there's three paths to become self-realized. We talked about this earlier on in the Gita, in the early chapters, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, and jnana yoga. There's three parts to each one of us, the body, the mind, and the intellect. Those of us who are more body-oriented, they say, you've got to do all three karmas to get to a spiritually better position. But if you're more body-oriented, you feel better doing karma yoga. You like doing building houses, feeding people, doing hard work, digging their ditches, that kind of stuff with your body.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: comes easier to you. Mind is all emotion. So bhakti is devotion. Devotion is uh, showing gratitude towards God, not going to a temple and just taking coconuts and apples and <laughs> money. But right showing gratitude for what you have in today's day devotion is all about thanks for everything you've given me but what else can you give me thanks for everything you've given me can you please get my son a job can you please get my daughter married so devotion is being truly grateful for what you've been given and not taking any credit for anything minimizing your own ego and diluting your big ego about what yourself is that's devotion bhakti yoga. Last is jnana yoga, which is knowledge, what we've been doing all along so far, what you're doing right now. And getting this knowledge helps you to get towards uh, the self. So what he's saying here is, because he talked about the other ones before, now he's saying serve me. Serve me meaning do karma yoga, not Mm -hmm. me. He doesn't need your service. God, Atman, Brahma doesn't need you to do anything for him. So when he says, serve me, he means others like you. He, You are Brahman. You are. The person next to you is Brahman. The person behind you is Brahman. Everybody's Brahman. So when he says, serve me, he says, serve everybody around you, whether that be human beings or animals or insects or even the environment. The environment is also Brahman. Mm -hmm. If you see Brahman in the environment also and in animals, you won't be as cruel to the environment. You won't just chop down trees willy-nilly. You won't chop down forests. So he's saying, serve me, do karma yoga, because he's already talked about bhakti yoga and jnana yoga. Unserving devotion. Now, what does unswerving mean? It means don't just say, oh, yes, devotion when I'm listening to this, when I'm studying this, but throughout the day throughout the day, whenever you go anywhere, whatever you're doing, this should be in the back of your mind. The analogy that Gautam Jain used to give us when we were studying with him was excellent. He said, imagine the actors on stage. For three hours, they're acting. During the time that they're acting, they may be acting like a king with a sword in their hand and all of that. But throughout that period, somewhere in their mind is, My wife is at home. She's waiting for me. My kids, bedtime. I wonder if this is going to get over in time. You know, I wonder if that kind of stuff about himself is up in his mind. It may not be in the front of his mind as he's going through his role and reading this. But it's there that I'm just an actor. And what the scripture says, keep in mind that while you're going through your act of being on this earth, recognize that you are Brahman. You're not who you think you are. Right. You're not what you're doing here. You're Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. Um, tat Asi. You are that. And Christ said the same thing. Moses said the same thing. I am that I am. All, everybody who has become self-realized has recognized that I am Brahman. And if you can recognize that, you are beyond the three gunas. Verse 26 also goes on to say, your karma yoga from your body, bhakti yoga, devotion, b- uh, bhakti, gratitude. Um, today, bhakti is to go and ask for more in a temple. We talked about that. Yeah. Try to get past that. Just try to close your eyes, meditate, concentrate, get in touch with the Brahman within yourself. So that's verse 26. Verse 27, the last verse in chapter 14 says, for I am the abode Of Brahman, immortal, immutable, the eternal dharma being an absolute bliss. So when he says I, he's talking about not Krishna who was born and dies, the human being, but Krishna who has self-realized and recognized the Atman within himself. He's talking about that I. Mm -hmm. I am the abode of Brahman, that Brahman lives within me. Immortal. You and I all die. We all are born. We die. Human beings, animals, insects, everybody is born and dies. But the Atman is forever. Immortal. Immortal. Amrita. means death. M-R-T in all languages suggests mortal, mort, mrityu. Amrita means eternal, not dying. That's where... When, when people used to send uh, from India to America hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, when it was just wilderness, they called it Amrika. Amrika means there where nobody dies. America. America. Um, immutable means without change. We all change. You get old, you lose your hair, you get, uh, need glasses. All of that is change. The self is unchanging never changes. Um, Absolute bliss. You and I might get happiness. You eat an ice cream, which is your favorite ice cream. You say, wow, this is bliss. This is happiness. But it's short-lived. Eternal bliss is what uh, Brahman promises us. Absolute bliss. The mind and intellect keep coming up with thoughts and desires. And as long as you have thoughts and desires... If things go where you want them to go, you're happy. If things don't go where you want them to go, you're unhappy. So it's not eternal bliss. Um, This is the temporary fleeting bliss that you get when you're dependent on the world. When you reach the self, then you're peaceful, and happiness is person. Happiness is forever, permanent. And that's absolute and total bliss. Um, What did I leave out here?
1: Verse 27.
0: Verse 27, that's it. Verse 27 was uh, was that it is. So that is the end of chapter 14, my friends. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you write to me. And the address for you to write to me is Gita, G-I-T-A, memoirs. No space between. Gita, memoirs of a psychiatrist. Gita is G-I-T-A, memoirs is M-E-M-O-I-R-S, of a psychiatrist at gmail.com I look forward to hearing from you I will reply to you and should we do a field trip next time Lou
1: oh yes I think we're overdue for a field trip I love those so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay all right maybe I'll have to think about what uh, I want to do and there's one thing that's a burning pressing need for me to impart to others but Lou had suggested something so let me give it some thought see you you next
1: time see you next time Bye-bye.